0: Sweet friends, welcome back to another episode of the Love Your Bod Pod. I am your host. I am Kara Corinne Safeli. I am a food and body image coach, health coach. I'm a trauma informed breathwork facilitator. And on this podcast, we talk all about how to heal your relationship with food and your body and live an amazing life that you love and no longer be held back by your weight or how you feel about your body today we have a really awesome episode with a woman named Daisy. She is the owner of Mindful Closet and we're talking about fashion from an anti-diet perspective. And this is a type of conversation that we've never had on the podcast, which is one of the reasons why I'm so incredibly stoked to be talking about it. Clothing And clothing choices are a huge part of our healing journeys, our body image journeys, whether we're hanging on to clothes that don't fit us, that, you know, our skinny clothes, I say that in air quotes, clothes that we're hanging on to thinking that they're gonna be motivating, or one day we're gonna get back into them. And those clothes, they don't just take up physical space in our closet, they take up mental and emotional space too. And when you're in the healing process, sometimes you will gain weight through that. And that means buying bigger clothes, buying new clothes, clothes that fit. And that can be a process that's very liberating on the other side of it. But it can be challenging to get to that place where you are ready to say, okay, this is my body and I deserve clothes that fit that I like. This body is worthy of buying new clothes for. So... This conversation is, I think, going to be so helpful for any of you that have struggled with feeling like because of your body shape or weight or size, you can't wear certain things or you shouldn't wear certain things because they're not flattering, so to speak. I'm using air quotes again there. We actually discuss this idea of flattering. And one of the things that's really cool about Daisy is she really Loves to dig dig deep with her clients and help them really understand why they believe what they believe about clothes and what they're allowed to wear. So, Daisy intuitively guides her clients to discover what they feel best in. She helps them let go of the external messages they've been given about what they should wear and get to the heart of what's making them uncomfortable about their clothes. Through their work building a functional wardrobe, Daisy's clients make a mindset shift from thinking they need to wear what's flattering to unapologetically taking up space in the world. After a lifetime of jobs and high stress careers that didn't suit her highly sensitive, introverted personality, Daisy started Mindful Closet in 2013 in an attempt to create a more emotionally sustainable lifestyle. She has two boys, ages three and seven, and a husband she adores, who is well aware of her mental load. So without further ado, let's get into the episode today with Daisy. Daisy, so welcome to the podcast today. In most of my podcasts, I start out with one of my favorite quotes. It says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and it's made all of the difference in my life. That's by Steve Jobs. So, Daisy, connect the dots for us. Tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got here
1: yes, this, these dots are all over the map. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, my name is Daisy. I'm a a personal stylist, although I struggle sometimes with that term, I don't feel like it always kind of uh, encapsulates everything that I do. But, um, and I've been doing this work for about nine years. um, And before that, um, I was a performing classical musician. Um, And so, the funny thing about connecting those dots is that um, if i had had kind of maybe a different perspective from my parents on what was serious enough to do as a career i might have gone into fashion a lot sooner but as it was i um one of the messages i got when i was growing up um, was that to think about clothes or fashion was to be very superficial and silly and not worth any brain space um and so I always felt a little ashamed that that was something I cared about um so yeah so I did end up going into music and 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 did that for a while but it was uh a career that was really not compatible with my temperament um I'm highly sensitive I'm an introvert um yeah just lots of things that don't Uh, kind of jive with being like a performer. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I was getting pretty burnt out in that career and um, was exploring ways to, to make a pivot. Um, And my therapist at the time was just like, what is something you've always loved doing that people ask for your help with? And I was like, well, you know, fashion, but I can never do that. That's just not in the realm of possibility. And, and with some help, she kind of, you know, with her help, I kind of was able to work through some of those feelings and just give it a try. And, um, it went well. And so I kept doing it and I love it.
0: Mm, So when you got started and by the way, pivoting, I feel like is such a a scary thing and you're someone who's gone through it. So that in and of Mm -hmm. itself is so inspiring and and so cool. Mm When you got started, what did it look like? Does it look different than what you do now? I feel like you have a very specific approach to how you do styling. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about that. I'm curious.
1: Yeah. Well, when I started, I really just had this idea that I would help people clean out their closets and help them put together outfits and that it would all just be kind of fun and light and easy. Um, and the more I worked with women, the more I realized that there was all of this really deeper meaning behind everything that goes on in our closets. Um, and so the biggest thing that stood out to me was that literally every woman I worked with, and it's at this point, you know, been hundreds of people, um, literally every woman had, a negative perception of her own body, and in particular, a negative perception of the changes that had happened to her body over time. Um, and so, that was actually my introduction into intuitive eating and into anti-diet culture. Um, was just this this feeling that I I couldn't believe that so many women were feeling this way, and it, and it just made me so just sad that there was all this energy being spent, you know wishing we could get back into other clothes or not allowing ourselves permission to buy the clothes that fit or any of those kind of things. So that was interestingly for me, that's where my awareness around that came from. Um, And then also kind of interestingly, is that over the nine years that I've been doing this work, um, I've also kind of lived some of those experiences myself with my body changing a lot. And so at this point now I've been through it with clients and I've also been through it with personally. And so I have a lot of, a lot of different perspectives on that.
0: Well, I imagine that having gone through those similar changes makes you more effective at what you do because it's so relatable and you're like, well, this is how I went through it and how I addressed it. And you have some great blog posts about that as well. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit deeper. So yeah. then you didn't have problems with food really that wasn't your introduction into it
1: yeah I mean yeah my story is a little bit different than I think probably many guests you've had um I am just like very lucky and always recognize that privilege that I had that it wasn't something that I worried about very much I definitely fell into the wanting to belong to the group of girls who were counting calories and worrying about, you know, grams of fat and and that kind of thing. And so it was always there in the periphery, but I wouldn't say that I ever had, you know, kind of debilitating, um, disordered eating or anything like that. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I I came from with that situation. And and again, it was something I felt like I would never need to think about. um, and then until, until I did,
0: (laughs) Like as you got older and Mm -hmm. things change, which is, which is what happens. That's the gift of being alive.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a beautiful way to put it, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 44. Um, my body has shifted multiple times over the course of my life. I have had two kids, um, but definitely in the last couple of years, things have accelerated and, and it's been disconcerting and it's been uncomfortable and it's been, you know, something, something to kind of really work through.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to dig in a little bit more to the meat of your message and Mm -hmm. the meat of what you do. And as we go through that, I'd love for you to share the things that have helped you move through that discomfort and things Mm -hmm. that have been concerning for you as you've gotten older and how you've not only helped yourself, but you help the people you work with. So to start, Mm -hmm. I'd love to discuss how patriarchy and white supremacy impact our decisions around clothing. This is something that you're very vocal about on your website and on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. So for somebody who's never really considered that maybe those are the things influencing their choices around clothing, take us through that. Like what are the messages? What are the influences?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like a very many layered, Um, issue for sure. But one of the first things that I always want to do with clients is just unpack the messages they've been given about what they should be wearing. Um, And when we get into those messages, um, if we really deconstructed those, we would find that they all have kind of origins in the patriarchy or in white supremacy. Um, So for instance, even the, the need to to want to appear as thin as possible by your clothes you know like by what what you wear should make you look as thin as possible i mean that in itself is a white supremacist ideal um that was you know hundreds of years ago you know knowledge that i've learned from sabrina strings from her book fearing the black body um you know that was kind of a way that people uh that white people tried to distance themselves from slaves and from Black people in this country was by body type and body size. Um, And so, you know, again, just like if you can trace those things back, realizing that that's what you might be buying into could be a way to really shift your thinking about whether that's something you want to opt into or not. Um, In terms of the patriarchy, I mean, you know, the kind of ideal feminine form and shape and how we're all supposed to kind of use clothes to create this optical illusion that we have this ideal body shape is all traced back to, you know, kind of what men prefer to see what what their preferred silhouette would be. Um, and again, that's traced way back to, you know, kind of scientists in the, you know, 17th century. Um, and so I always just really want to question, you know, when people are saying, well, you know, I really need to look smaller. I really have to wear something that's flattering. That's um, really important to me to really kind of question and say, well, you know, where does that come from? You know, why, why is that something that you believe And and try and offer this other perspective? And so that people have the choice. You can still opt in if that's something that you like the look of. But I want us all to realize that we have that choice, that it's, it's something that's been kind of imposed on us.
0: Yeah, and I could see how that education piece supports people in asking themselves, like, do I want to continue to opt in and sort of participate? I think it's like an invitation to really check in with your values
1: mm-hmm. and check
0: in with like, who am I committed to being? Yeah. Right, especially if right. you're somebody who, is passionate about equality Mm -hmm. and systemic injustice and discrimination. And and you were like, I want to be a part of the solution here, Mm -hmm. really giving somebody that education could say, huh, I didn't realize that part of my activism could be
1: dressing Mm -hmm. differently. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and that, that actually has been one of, you kind of asked earlier about what what things have helped me in kind of working through this discomfort, and that's one of the things that I've really gone back to again and again is that I truly believe that you know all bodies are good bodies, and that there shouldn't be a, a hierarchy of bodies. And if I believe that, then I can't, I can't be disparaging of my own body, you know. Um, and so just leaning back on those values is, has been really helpful for me. Um, and I agree with you. And I think you know, the more of us who are able to opt out because of privilege that we might have, because maybe we have thin privilege or pretty privilege or, you know, other types of privilege, um, then the more we can shift those norms um, and shift that culture, which is something I know you talk a lot about. Um, And so being able to do that is, is like you said, it's just, it can be a, a form of activism for sure.
0: Which could feel so empowering coming Mm -hmm. from a disempowered place originally with Mm -hmm. your clothing. Mm -hmm. So in addition to this idea of flattering, what Mm -hmm. are other common, you had said a little, you alluded to some of it when Mm -hmm. you were talking about what you do, but what are the most common things that, common messages that women have gotten? So some of the listeners can sort of self-identify and be like, oh, wow, I do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, one is just this very overarching method that we all do need to conform to this you know um european white standard of beauty and that you know includes so many different things it includes removing body hair it it includes you know dyeing gray hair it includes dieting to try to form your body into something that maybe it's not naturally meant to be um and and also the effort of trying to use your clothes as tools to portray all of that, you know, to get closer to that ideal. Um, So that's one message. Um, And again, you know, I always want to emphasize that it's completely fine and everyone has body autonomy and can choose what they, what they want to do with their body, but it is, something just to be aware of, to make sure that you're, you're choosing it um, because you want that and not because it's just been kind of imposed on you. Um, another message that a lot of women have been get, given is that they do have to wear clothes that are flattering, that that is a higher priority than what they might feel comfortable in or what they might even like the look of. Um, and so for a lot of my clients, we, we do a lot of work around identifying their personal style and it takes a big mindset shift for people to be able to say, but I thought I had to wear a certain kind of clothes because of the shape of my body. I didn't realize I could choose Um, because in the past there's been a ton of um, media and, and just like wardrobe advice and all these things saying, well, if this is your body if these are the proportions of your body and these are the ratios of the different body parts to each other, you should wear this kind of thing which really takes no account of the person's actual preferences, which I think is just so fascinating. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of the messages. Another one that is really pervasive is this idea that, um, that we've been given kind of by like our consumerist society, that we need to always kind of be wearing something new and different and that we can't ever just wear things that are simple and easy and wear them multiple times a week if we feel like it.
0: When somebody becomes aware of all of these messages, so you help them sort of unpack. So I have to wear flattering clothing. And by flattering, essentially, we mean what makes you look smaller than you are is pretty much what I interpret that word of is like, how can we make you look smaller Then also wearing clothing appropriate for your body shape? So this makes me think like, are you an apple or are you a pear? Are you tall or are you short? Mm -hmm. You know, I I've even heard like, I'm tall. I'm five, nine and i have friends that are shorter and i've heard them say oh i can't wear that like i'm not tall like you
1: right right, right? but yeah. i've
0: even said i've even said things like that like i'm too tall i can't wear i'm not going to wear high heels mm-hmm.
1: yeah right <laughs> i've even said that <laughs> right and and that's just such an interesting it's such a good example right to break down again like why is it it's not allowed for you to be tall and to also add height to, by wearing high heels and that is because of patriarchal things somewhere in there where you're supposed to be smaller than the man, right. Or shorter than the man. Um, yeah, it's just, it's fascinating to me. Any of those things can be so kind of like broken down and, and gone back to the the origins somewhere in there that are, that are not great. (laughs) Yeah. So, what are some of the
0: steps that you take people through? So after you've gotten clear about sort of their messages and beliefs, what would be sort of the next step or or tip or advice in sort of this process of, of getting people to the place of being like, this is my personal style. And I like this and I want to wear it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the next, so the first stage is really that awareness, right. And the kind of, um, you know, uncovering and, you know, kind of reconciling whatever messages you might have been given. Um, and then the next step is really um, gathering inspiration. So it's, it's a very different thing for many people to gather inspiration without censoring themselves based on their body. Um, and so that's one of the big directions that I give people right away when we start working together is I want you to create a Pinterest board or I want you to gather some images that you love the look of but I don't want you looking at things and saying, well, I love how that looks, but I could never pull that off. Or I love how that looks, but that would not work on my body. Or I love how that looks, but I don't go anywhere fancy enough to wear that. You know, if you can just take all those other voices out of your head and just gather inspiration that you feel truly drawn to, like on a gut in, uh, like on a gut level, like instinctually, um, things that you just love how they look and, and do quite a bit of that um, before you even start to reflect on it, I think that's the next really big step is kind of seeing, okay. And what did you end up with after you did that with removing that censorship kind of from the process?
0: And what do you typically discover through that process? Like what do you see?
1: What happens with your clients? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, most people, um, well, most women who come to me are convinced that they have no style that they have no idea what they wanna be wearing. They they feel really confused and overwhelmed. And once they go through that exercise, um, it's not always completely clear to them right at the outset, but it's always very clear to me that there is an absolute distinct style that they're drawn to. And that every image that they pulled had things in common. And I just always think that's really fascinating because I have so many people who just feel like this is somehow some sort of like the feminine, like biological makeup that they're missing. Um, And it's not, it's something that's a skill that has to be developed just like anything else. Um, And so when you allow people to kind of experiment and, and gather that inspiration, truly everyone kind of comes up with something that makes them feel really happy.
0: So oh, cool. I, I feel a little bit like that, which is so hilarious because mm-hmm. my, I, my first career was in fashion. So it's weird to that's be at right. this place where I'm like, yeah, I really know my style.
1: Yeah. But I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and that's the, that's the great thing about fashion and style too, is that it is constantly changing and evolving and just like our bodies. Right. And so we can never, I think that's another thing people always try and do. They want to put themselves in one style box that they never get out of. And, and things are always changing. Our bodies changing, our lifestyle's changing, our preferences, our tastes. So it's always evolving and you can't ever really like lock yourself in.
0: I'm curious about, and this is a little bit of like a, segue into a slightly different topic, but when you, have you ever had clients and if you have, what do you do about it? Where they are feeling really attached to like old types of clothing. So that clothing represents something for them where they don't want to get rid of it. Like maybe it doesn't fit them anymore, or maybe they have nowhere to wear it to, and they're struggling mm-hmm. to want to let go of it. And I'm sure in theory, it's fine to hang on to it. Like if you want to hang on to it, hang on to it. Right. I'm- have you had situations like that and what has that been like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say almost all the time. Yeah. There's something like that. And I think it's just, um, again, there's this, this kind of idea that we should be able to just kind of let go of things quickly and just be like, well, clean out your closet, just get rid of all that stuff. And I think, um, for me, it's been really helpful to, make sure that people understand that this is like a a bit of a, like a mini grieving process, right? Like this is a new and different, um, stage of your life. Um, and anytime there's change, it's hard. Um, and then especially the way that we're kind of conditioned societally around our bodies and clothes changing means that that is a really, um, can be a really traumatic thing. And I think just acknowledging that and kind of, acknowledging the sadness that goes with that, but also acknowledging like, that's not, I'm not that person anymore. I've changed and grown in many different ways, not just in my body or my clothes. Um, I think all those ideas are kind of helpful to, to work through instead of just being like, Oh, you can get rid of it. It's no big deal. No, it is kind of a big deal. Mm,
0: Yeah. I loved how you said it's a mini grieving process. Mm -hmm. I think that given the, dominant narratives within society, particularly that like, you know, when you're 40, you should somehow still look 20, Mm -hmm. right? Or Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, youth is the most valuable thing, or, you know, if you do end up looking like you're aging, that's a bad thing. And then also the um, narrative around weight loss, right? And if you've gained weight and you can't sit back into these clothes, these clothes, those clothes could symbolize so much for you. And there could be a part of you that's I'd love to dig into this with you, but hanging on to it as like motivation, right? Like they oh, yeah. skinny clothes or whatever. Yeah. There is a grieving process to let those go because you're also letting go of an idea perhaps, or of how things mm-hmm. used to be. Maybe you're making peace with the fact that they're not ever going to be that way again. And like, it's amazing that so much could be wrapped up in clothing, but like, it makes so much sense to me. And so right. I loved that you use the word mini grieving. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's absolutely accurate. All of those things. And there, there has to be some work around body and lifestyle and acknowledging. Um, and this is where my work really, where I started to connect with intuitive eating so much was because I, I really wanted to be able to talk to those clients and say, but what are you willing to give up in order to fit back into these clothes, which you know, is that really that important to you? Like, let's talk about what fullness your life has now and how much restriction and, you know, overwork in certain areas do you want to add in for that? And if you can say, you know, intellectually, you know, no, I don't want to put that effort in. I don't want to do that type of restriction. Then this is a small exercise in accepting where you are now um, and learning to let go of those those past clothes and that past self a little bit.
0: So is there anything else that you want to, want to add here around um, either buying clothes that are too small, Mm -hmm. hanging on to clothes that don't fit as motivation? You know, is there anything else that you kind of want to add in there that you've seen, or that's been helpful?
1: Well, I think it's just this message that of course you're, you're doing such a good job of getting out there and, and so many people are doing, but but one of the messages women have just been given over and over and over is that our bodies should not change right over the course of our lives. And that is just absolutely not true for 99% of the population. And it's, it is in fact, extremely normal for your body to change. And so this is one of those ideas, again, this message that we just have to figure out, like, where did that come from? And why do we believe that? And, like you said, like why should we be at forty pretending to be twenty or wanting to have the body of our twenty-year-old self? Um, and so I, I really just, you know, again, it's not, an, it's not to say that it's easy at all, but really just to say that, you know, can you, can you move, you know, take a step forward into acceptance um, of where you are now? Can you start to let go of the idea that your body shouldn't have changed? and allow that it has and that that's okay. And in fact, that's normal. Um, and I feel like if you can start to take baby steps in that direction, then you can, um, you know, again, if you can accept that body should change and that that's normal, then maybe you don't need that motivation anymore. And maybe you can let that go.
0: Mm-hmm. And so then I'm assuming naturally, right. So through that process, and you had an amazing blog post, by the way, called bodies will always keep changing. And I I definitely recommend people go and listen to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You, in that blog post, you talked about your personal experience of being a mom of two kids and how your body has changed throughout those experiences. And also you said this, I can't remember if it was before we were recording or not, Mm -hmm. or during the recording, but now being in your forties and Mm -hmm. going through this own process for yourself. So Mm -hmm. in addition to what you had shared, Is there anything else that you would want to offer anybody here as it specifically relates to like their wardrobes and their clothing that could be helpful in this process of your bodies are changing? That's normal.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing, um, is that you have permission to buy new clothes that fit your body. And I know that sounds very simplistic, but, but, and I'm sure you run up against it with your clients too, is this huge resistance we have to buying clothes that fit our current body um, and just to feeling it's that col- that kind of old diet culture mentality of thinking like, well, I'm not going to buy new clothes be- for this body because that would be wasting money because I'm going to get back into that old body and I'm going to get back into those old clothes. And so just really, really, really it, as a form of self-care, allowing yourself to buy clothes that fit, I think is such a huge like almost a somatic experience you can give your body that you can say you are worthwhile. you are worth buying new clothes. You are worth having clothes that fit, that don't dig into your body, that don't feel uncomfortable. Um, and, and actually doing that kind of gives, you know, sends a message I think to your body that, that it's okay. It's okay to be where it is.
0: I love that. That was really potent by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. And I loved how you framed that of just really getting like by you making the choice to go not only buy clothes that fit, but with the help of you and your services and your expertise, but also buying clothes that represent who you really are and the style and aesthetic that you're actually drawn to. Mm-hmm. that that is such a recognition of this body's okay. This body is worthy. I deserve these things in this body. This body doesn't automatically make me unworthy. I feel like that's such an incredible perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, of course, I want to put the disclaimer out there that, um, you know, especially if you're moving from certain body sizes into other certain body sizes, like there can feel be a real scarcity around clothing and feeling as though you are missing out because your size is changing. I um, mean, so I wanna acknowledge that, that that's like definitely a real fear and there's definitely like still not enough options at all size, you know, size ranges, but but it definitely, there is, if nothing else, there's, there's more out there than there has been in the past. And that that is for most people a really real um, experience that you can give yourself.
0: So sort of speaking to those two things, or you are alluding to a little bit of like of privilege, so size privilege, but then also class privilege, right? Like how much Mm -hmm. disposable income do you have? And often plus size clothing is more expensive. Mm -hmm. It's more material. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a situation, so for anyone who's listening, who is plus size or larger, who can't shop at the average store and find clothes in store that fit or somebody who doesn't have the most disposable income, what are some mm-hmm. strategies or tips or even just perspective and compassion mm-hmm. that you can maybe offer Yeah, in those two categories?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, it's hard. It's really hard. And just to acknowledge that, I, I know a lot of people feel as though that in itself is just not acknowledged. And it, and it is. It There's absolutely... a a narrowing of options and the, in the larger that you go up in the size range. Um, I think a couple of things come to mind. One is that, um, actually originally in my business, I really set out to be like this minimalist personal stylist, um, until the, you know, I kind of realized like, oh, well, you can't really be minimalist until you like know what you actually like, you know, what you actually will use and need. Um, and so, but part of me does kind of go back and 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 lean back on some of those minimalist principles, which is that you don't need a lot, you know? Um, so, you know, no one needs to go out and buy thousands of dollars worth of new things. I mean, we really could be talking about a couple of items that just those things can make a real shift in your daily life. Um, there definitely are ways to do that secondhand as well. I'm a big thrift store shopper. And again, sizes are limited there as well, but um, it it is, it's definitely something that, and then I would also say the the other thing that I would say is getting really clear on what that style is that you love so that you can just pick one or two things to kind of add to your wardrobe that, that, that kind of, um, you know, kind of illustrate that, that style that you're going for. And so that can really help just make a shift, um, in your wardrobe. I think
0: that's really helpful to hear. I I feel like it would be easy to sort of make the assumption of like, oh my God, I need an entirely new wardrobe. Like everything has to go, everything needs to be replaced. And really, I hear what you're saying Mm -hmm. of like, it's really helpful to get to the place where you're clear on what you like, Mm -hmm. and what your style is what clothes you're comfortable in and actually enjoy wearing and that would support you in being able to buy just a handful of really really incredible pieces that you like and that fit and that could have such a big impact
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so that's
0: helpful to hear that it's not like we're not remodeling the whole house kind of.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think so often we have like a black or white thinking, right? And so this is kind of like a little bit of like the gray area is like, you know, try a couple of new things. And, you know, again, they can be things. I mean, Old Navy is one of my go-tos, you know, for for size inclusive, um, cute options. And, you know, you could get a couple of things and just see how that kind of shifts your perspective.
0: So. In addition to getting clear on your style and aesthetic, detangling the the sort of narratives and rules and messages that you've received that have been influencing how you've been dressing or relating to clothing and your body, once you've sort of gone through that process and you have then found some pieces that fit, maybe not a gazillion pieces like you were saying, just a few items, what are the benefits of doing that. So what are, what are the outcomes that people could expect to experience if they were to go through this process with you or on their own?
1: Yeah. Do yeah. To? Oh my gosh. I mean, first of all, I think it cannot be, um, we can't emphasize enough the impact of letting go of those clothes that are too small, you know, just being able to go into your closet and not have those items screaming at you that there's something wrong with your body as it is right now is huge. Um, and I often hear that from people that once we've just gotten rid of, of the stuff that just it really has negative energy, um, it really is, you know, reminding you of something that maybe wasn't healthy or was a time again in your life that, that, that is no longer true for you. Um, so just the impact of letting those things go can be really, really amazing. Um, and then I think just for anyone being able to go to their closet and whether it's 10 items or a hundred items, being able to open the closet door and saying like, I can wear whatever is here. I can wear whatever is here and I like it and I'm going to feel good in it. Just, I mean, there's, there's so few things and food is another one, but there's so few things that we have to deal with on a daily basis like that, that can actually make an impact on our mood. Um, and I really think having clothes that fit that you like is one of those things. I think it, it shifts your whole day.
0: Totally. I mean, the amount of times that a bad body image day is triggered by opening up your closet and seeing clothes don't fit. I often say that they don't just take up physical space. They take up mental and emotional space. And I loved that you had said they hold negative energy, right. Or not positive experiences. And it's like, every time you open up your closet door, you're sort of just reminding yourself of that. And so having them gone, it's maybe not fully out of sight, out of mind, but largely out of sight, out of mind. Right. Yeah. And then knowing that you can open up the closet and be like, I have these 10 different items, I can mix and match them in a bunch of different ways, potentially, and I know they fit and I know they like them, just like the Mm -hmm. ease of getting dressed when getting dressed can be so challenging and such a difficult experience for people, I could see the positive ripple effect that that would have.
1: Yeah, that would be huge. And I, just, since we've kind of um, talked about adding new pieces and, and how great that can be, I also just wanna kind of um, just acknowledge that shopping in itself and getting those new pieces is can be super traumatic and can be a really hard experience and something that a lot of people feel super overwhelmed and confused by. Um, and so I don't want anyone hearing this to be like, well, that's so easy. I'll just go out and buy 10 new things because getting to those 10 new things often means trying on a hundred things to find the ones that actually work for you. So I don't want to, again, make it seem like it's, it's such an easy little exercise to do, but definitely if you can put in some time and effort um, to get there, it's totally worth it.
0: Yeah. I relate to that so much. I don't like shopping. I want to just like have the clothes that fit. So I I'm glad that you Mm -hmm. added that in there. So when you're working with somebody, what does that process look like between you guys? Like, do you find the items online for them? Like, what does that look like?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we generally we do the first session where we uncover those messages and we talk about their personal style. Look at that Pinterest board. In the second session, we do a little closet edit. So we do kind of move some of those things out. And again, they don't always have to completely leave the house. If you're not to that stage of acceptance yet, maybe they can just leave your closet and maybe they can go in a bin somewhere that you don't have to look at them. Um, and then at that point, we we start to talk about the process of shopping. Um, and again, this is something that's a challenge for. Again, 90% of women, where we've kind of been conditioned to think like, oh, all girls just love going shopping and it's so fun and so easy. And that is, in my experience, just not the case for most people. Um, So the shopping process can be, I think it is really important to acknowledge that it can be, first of all, something that was traumatic growing up. You know, it could be something that has really, um, you know, kind of uncomfortable memories attached to it. Um, and then I think there's also a lot of the idea about shopping being something that we should be able to just order something. It should arrive and we should put it on and it should fit and we should be happy and we should be done. And that is again, not the, not the way it goes for 90% of, of the experience. So, so what I do is I kind of go through the process with my clients. We do do all online shopping and that's really the case for everyone these days. I mean, with pandemic and with, you know, remote work and remote like locations, um, really kind of everyone's doing things online, which is great because that's where the most, um, size inclusivity is as well. Um, and a few things that I always tell people is just to expect that, um, well, one thing is that we use your measurements, you know, and so that's something else we have to kind of detach from. It's, it's hard, to, I try and neutralize that as much as possible and just say like, these numbers are meaningless. They're just a tool. They don't reflect on your, you know, worthiness, um, but they're a tool that we're going to use to find clothes that fit your body. Um, So we use measurements, we use the size charts on websites, and then we almost always order a couple of sizes as well, because when you're ordering stuff online, it's extremely frustrating and kind of just a really deflating experience. If you order something and you just order one thing and it doesn't fit, and then you just feel like you're just stuck and you have to go restart the whole process. So typically what we do is we order a lot and we order a lot at once. We order a lot of different items and we order different sizes as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it definitely sounds like it's all, it is effort and time and energy, right? It
1: really is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And on the outset, there's a lot of freedom a lot of freed up energy, a lot of freed up time and probably a lot of happiness and peace, Mm you
1: know? Yeah, 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 it really is. Um, I like to think of it as like, you're kind of investing your time upfront so that mornings can be quicker and easier later on when you're getting dressed.
0: Yeah. So I want to speak to what you had alluded to this earlier as being one of the messages that we receive, which is that we need to like constantly have new things and that we can't wear the same things twice. I feel like we get this, at least how I perceive that I've gotten it is from like celebrities on like the runway, you know, where it's like they always need a new dress for like every Mm -hmm. event that they go to. Um, I think that's where I've gotten it. But can you speak Mm -hmm. to sort of this, narrative. Right. And, and how would you coach somebody who goes into an office? Cause mm-hmm. I'm sure maybe hopefully at one point we all go back to offices if that's what we want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm work from home for life, I think, but you know, yeah. <laughs> for those of us that want to go back to work or who already are back at work, cause that's a thing and they have fear around wearing the same thing every single week, right. Or wearing the same outfit. Can you one talk about like that narrative, right. That we Mm -hmm. need new things. And then Mm -hmm. what are some helpful perspectives that you could offer Mm -hmm. for somebody who is like, well, what if they see me in the same outfit?
1: Right. Yeah. So I love to break that one down because then I, I really love to say like, okay, so let's, let's think about what. What is the negative thing that that person could be thinking about you? And to really like go really far into that and think like, well, do they think that I don't have enough money to buy more clothes? Do they think that I'm not washing my clothes and that I'm dirty? I mean, truly like what is, where does, you know, that, that kind of shame come from a little bit. And then um, for a lot of people, it's really just like, well, that's what I always thought I was supposed to do. Like I have so many clients come to me and say like in high school, I kept a calendar where I wrote my outfit every day. So that I would never repeat it, <laughs> and you know somehow that I would never get you know kind of shamed for that, um, and so you know breaking down why that's an anxiety I think is helpful, um, and then relating it back to this being a relatively recent development in kind of capitalistic consumerist society, and thinking like you know um, in the really before globalization it was not possible for people to have this many items of clothing. It just really wasn't feasible for anyone except like the ultra wealthy. Um, So, you know, in the fifties, sixties, you know, we had, we, you know, people had fewer outfits than they do and they wore them more often. And then with the rise of globalization and overproduction of clothing um, and therefore the marketing for that clothing, we were given this message that no, 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 you always want to have something new. You want to have something new and exciting and different, and you don't want to be seen in the same thing, but just really realizing that's kind of like, that's the man. And if you can, again, be an activist and go against that and be like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. If people see that I wear, you know, the same pair of pants two times in a week, that doesn't mean anything about me or my worthiness or, or my personality or anything. So, yeah, I don't know. That was just a bunch of rambling about about how I feel about repeating clothes. But I just think it's really important to be able to to let go of some of that um, indoctrination.
0: (laughs) I mean, I love the sort of self-reflection questions of really asking somebody to like, well, what is it that you think they're gonna think about you? And I think a little bit through that process, you can, I think there might be some validity. Like, sure, some people are maybe gonna judge you, right? Sure, some people are gonna maybe think you don't have a lot of money or you're not clean, right? Like some people might have those thoughts, right? And I also think that you can also see how some of them are silly and being like, yeah, I probably wouldn't think that about somebody. And it's also possible that maybe you're too busy. You don't even notice that Mm -hmm. you're more worried about it than anyone else is. So I think doing that internal investigation and essentially that thought work and belief work that you offer them Mm -hmm. is really potent and helpful in getting them to realize, okay, maybe I'm worrying about this more than I really need to. And I really- loved what you had said about like, this is a result of capitalism and like of the man and consumerism and selling you shit and making Mm -hmm. you spend money when like you don't have to, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah, It's not necessary. Yeah. And then it's, it's a really patriarchal thing too, right? Because do men ever get called out or judged for wearing the same thing over and over? No, it would never happen. And so why, why do we have to do it? Why is that a standard of, of, you know, femininity?
0: Is there anything else to say there on that? Like, I, like just of like, I think you're right. I feel like most men wear a black suit to like every Mm -hmm. show.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Every award show, or if you, if you want to like put it in context for like us normal people, it's like, you know, when you go to friends' weddings, yeah, your, your partner or your husband or your boyfriend is going to wear the same suit to every wedding, but yet you need to have a new dress to attend every wedding. And what if we could just wear the same kind of simple thing um, and not give, you know, two shits about it. I don't know. It would be really interesting to see. Um, I would love to, to have that kind of happen more often to have that be normalized.
0: Yeah, I love that. I actually get a little bit of a sense of pride because I bought one dress, I don't know, however many years ago, I'm like tracking it back to like the boyfriend that I had at the time. Right, <laughs> yeah. Who was I dating and how long ago was that? We went to his sister's wedding and I bought this dress and it's more of a loose fitting dress. And every wedding that I've gone to since then with the exception of like one that was black tie and like I needed a super, super mm-hmm. fancy and then one that was a Halloween themed wedding where I wore a costume. Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> okay. So with the exception of those two weddings, every wedding since then, I've just worn the same exact mm-hmm. dress. And it's I um, even though I've I've gained weight over the last, I think, like seven years or whatever, it still fits because it's on the loose, it's a loose fitting dress.
1: Mm-hmm. But I've worn
0: the same dress and I kind of pride myself on it of like, yeah, I'm just not like spending money on a dress that I'm gonna wear once. Yeah. And that money is going into my IRA mm-hmm. and is going to in my opinion, have a better ROI than that one dress, you know? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely. And I just want to, I just thought I had a thought that, that came up when you first asked me about this repeating outfits. Um, and that I had kind of forgotten, but I want to come back to you. is like, unfortunately now we're in this new age. Cause you were saying it's, it's really like for you growing up, it was the idea of the celebrities never wearing the same thing again. Um, and I just want to call out um, Tiffany Haddish, if you know her, she's worn the same white dress and uh, she's a comedian and she's worn the same white dress to like many, many red carpet events, which is super cool. Um, but unfortunately now we're in like this Instagram era where there are fashion influencers and they are wearing different things on their feed every single day. And I can tell you from knowledge that I have that those things are not things they even keep. Usually, you know what I mean? But it's perpetrating this idea again, that we have to have an endless supply of new and different stuff. And it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's kind of tragic. I, I hate it. <laughs> yeah.
0: And as somebody who was a, a, a food blogger and a food influencer to some degree for a while, a lot of that shit, you don't have to pay for.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not it, a realistic, yeah, it's not a realistic lifestyle to aspire to. And yet that's kind of what they're selling. So yeah, I have big problems with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like I I don't get it anymore because I don't post food, but I would get free shit food Mm -hmm. products in the mail all the time. I mean, I would say yes to it. So I'm not like Mm -hmm. not taking some responsibility for it, but like there would be so many products that I would use in like recipes and things that like I didn't pay for and I probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't pay for. So I have a different perspective now of like, I'm not going to take free products that I'm not going to use. Like I have different Value system and boundary around it uh, mm-hmm. than when I did when I was like 21 when I got into this, but you know, like there were just things that like I probably wouldn't have bought because I'm like that's just like a really expensive bag of powder,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are certain things that it's funny actually. I had a past client um, ask me about the sweater. She was like, "I see everyone, you know, everyone quote everyone on Instagram wearing the sweater." She's like, "But I don't actually know anyone in real life who owns it," and I'm like, "Yeah." I don't either. And like all those influencers were gifted that sweater and it's just a massive marketing campaign. And it just, it can make you feel again, like you're left out or you're not cool enough if you're not participating. Um, but it's all made up. It's just fabricated.
0: Yeah. And consumerism, you -hmm. know, it's like, Oh, we want to get pissed about plastic straws. It's like, well, let's take a look at fast fashion.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. So anything else that you want to add here that we haven't covered or a philosophy or a tip or advice, anything that you would want to leave the listeners who are struggling with their relationship with clothing and feeling good in their clothes?
1: I think it really just comes back to that. Um, and I think this is actually one of my posts that you reshared the other day on Instagram, but you really, you deserve clothes that fit. You know, it really is something that you know, we'd never, for those of us who are mothers, we'd never think twice about our child growing and us buying new clothes that fit. But yet somehow if our bodies change, it's, it's not okay. It's not okay to, to spend money on ourselves, to buy things that fit our body. And those are things that like we talked about can have such an impact on your daily life. And I just think, I just want to give everyone out there the permission to do that, you know?
0: Yeah. Invest in yourself that way. And I loved that you brought it back to like, you don't think anything of it when your children grow and need new clothes. So why are we making, why are we putting all this pressure on ourselves and shaming ourselves or making it wrong? You know, um, you deserve clothes that fit. And -hmm. when you wear clothes that are too tight and too small, it makes you hyper fixate on your body. So it makes your body image worse. Yeah. And it's taking up time and energy. It's just distracting to wear clothes that don't fit. Right. So having clothes that fit that are comfortable, like frees up so much energy and it absolutely has a positive impact on your body image. And I think that that's something that maybe you you've experienced. I've definitely experienced it with clients where we do the work around clothing. We have them get clothing that fits. And they were like, I didn't realize how big of an impact it would actually have.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. That, that always happens. And it's, it's something that you can't know until you experience it. And so again, I just think it's so important to try and try and allow yourself that experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Daisy, fun little question here. What are you most excited about in life right now?
1: I am most excited that I went into target this morning and there are like outdoor spring things being put on the shelves. I am not a winter person. I hate being cold and I live in the Midwest and, um, just the idea that spring might be on its way is very, very exciting to me.
0: Where in the Midwest are you? I'm in St. Louis. St. Louis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for you to get some of that warm weather. I'm I definitely live in California for the weather so I understand liking the weather
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: did you make out like a bandit at Target or do you did you spend a thousand dollars like I see all these TikTok videos about people who can't go they go into Target for toothpaste and walk out with you know
1: right um no I actually did go in for a prescription and I ended up buying uh a couple other things but but it was all necessary. So I, I did all right. I did all right. I did look for the Valentine's candy on clearance, but it was already gone. So oh, wow, yeah, I know it's the day, by the way, we're recording this the day after Valentine's day. So yeah. yeah.
0: Um, where can everybody find you if they're interested in either learning more, connecting, reading your blog, where they want to learn about your services and work with you,
1: you know? Sure. Yeah. My website is mindfulcloset.com. And I'm on Instagram at mindful closet. I would love it if anyone wanted to come over and say hi over there. It's, um, it's, a, it's a fun place to be, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you work with people individually. You also have groups and you also have an mm-hmm. online course. You have a variety of ways that people can work with you.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah.
0: Cool, cool. Thank you so much for being here today. This was awesome.
1: This was a great conversation. Thanks for having me here
0: wait, don't go yet. Before you pop off, I just wanted to quickly remind you that doors to Food Body Salt, the Academy, the March round for 2022, the doors are now open. I only have a few spots left. So if you're listening to this and you want to make peace with food and your body and you want to free up all of the time energy brain space and identity that is wrapped up in food and body image and connect more deeply to who you are and really live a life in alignment with your values and what you desire be sure to reach out to me to learn more about the program you can go to karaskitchen.net or you can go to foodbodysoul.co to read all about it Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope you got a lot out of this episode and we'll see you next time.